What impact is the Inflation Reduction Act having on the development of green hydrogen projects in the U.S.? In this Greenlight episode, I will speak with Mona Dejani, Global Head of Renewable Energy and Hydrogen at Sherman and Sterling LLP, about this and how the U.S. is now leading the world in terms of green hydrogen legislation. We will also speak about the ways in which the U.S. is rapidly ramping up its 8% EV adoption rate. Following in the footsteps of countries like Norway, which has an 82% EV adoption rate, Mona will share her insights on the key global trend she's seeing in renewables from carbon capture to offshore wind, as well as how she came to work in our space and what it takes to succeed in her role. Thanks for tuning into the green light. Now let's dive in. I'm Catherine McLean, founder and CEO of Dylan Green, and today I have with me uh, Mona Dijani. Uh, Mona is the Global Head of Renewables, Hydrogen, and Ammonia, and the Global Co-Head of Energy and Infrastructure at Sherman and Sterling, and she's joining us from New York today. Thanks, Mona, for, have, uh, for being part of this. <laughs> Thank you so much, Catherine. I'm super excited to be here and uh, speak with you. Thank you for the invitation. It's exciting. You're, I'm a big fan of yours, Mona, because ever since I moved back to the States a few years ago, you were one of the first people that was very, very kind to me. And so I'll never forget that when I was, nobody knew who I was. <laughs> now you're super famous celebrity in space. Yes. Um, I do think, I do think it was, um, it's, it's very good to be kind to people getting off topic a little bit, but it's, it's an overlooked quality. Agreed. And I find that in the UK, where you were coming from, yep. when I first met you, yep. um, it was, uh, I just thought you were a very kind, you are a very kind person. And I saw that in you. And that was kind of what, what, what started us, our friendship. Thank you. That, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so first, I want to congratulate you on your new role. Um, for those who don't know, introduce yourself, please, and tell us about your new role in the company. Sure. Um, I have been practicing law for over 20 years, and I was given an opportunity to uh, lead globally uh, at Sherman & Sterling, which is an international law firm. Uh, they're headquartered in New York, but they're in um, a lot of major cities all around the world. It's a global international platform. Uh, they put their money where their mouth is in terms of the investment, obviously, um, in the space. And I was uh, very excited to come here. And I came here with um, uh, some colleagues of mine. Uh, uh, and also, I have some new people that have joined me and on the team, too, as well. So super excited. And this is an organization that has a lot of women, I believe. Yeah. It's um, I mean, it's a law firm. <laughs> so, yeah, but like a lot of women compared to other law firms, perhaps. Yeah, there's a lot of women. There's a lot of women leaders. Yes. At the firm, um, it's an old firm. We're celebrating 150 years. Wow, that's pretty old for the U.S. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's it's known as a you know it's it's a premier. Uh, Wall Street yeah. uh, law firm, and so very excited to uh, embark here and be here and be supported uh, and looking forward to growing uh, the clean energy uh, team here. 
you have a bachelor's degree in engineering, an MBA, and a JD, which is a combination I don't come across too often. How did you make your way from engineering to legal within the renewable space? Well, um, a lot of people, some people don't know this, but um, a million years ago, I went to uh, college, uh, University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, which has one of the best engineering schools in the country. And um, I went to school there and I uh, got a degree, I had a double major. So I was doing economics, engineering, and um, I went to school and then I worked as an engineer for less than a year, hated it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I uh, decided to, I got to do something else. So of course yeah. I went to law school. So it was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was just yeah. all by accident that it all happened. And now um, part of my success is that I have such a diverse background. You know, yeah. I'm engineer, lawyer, chef, sommelier. <laughs> and, um, and that's really helped a lot. It really has because um, a lot of what I do, there's like a physics, scientific, engineering aspect to it on top of, uh, you know, commercial, understanding yep. the economics, and then legal. So I look at a transaction very holistically. Yeah. And also, you know, so just... So I, I approach it differently. And I think, you know, um, that has been part of my success. You have focused a lot on hydrogen projects uh, throughout your career, particularly outside the U.S. How much do you think the IRA will help accelerate hydrogen, particularly green hydrogen in the U.S.? Yeah, I think that, um, look, it's, it's a game changer globally. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, huge. We are the only country in the whole world that is offering the most tax incentives mm -hmm. and other uh, credits to encourage and develop green hydrogen. Um, Canada just came out with a uh, almost a copycat <laughs> of mm -hmm. what we're doing here in the U.S., but not as good. And then, and it's still brand new. I mean, it was just a few weeks ago. And then uh, there was also a, a push by the uh, EU to also have like standardized hydrogen credits and still not as robust as we have here in the United States. And then there are certain countries around the world like Portugal and Spain and Germany and Denmark uh, also in uh, Asia, Japan, Korea, and the Middle East, Oman and Dubai and uh, KSA, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, that are that have their own country-wide hydrogen um, incentives, but mm -hmm. none of them, none of them are law like we have here. Here in the United States, the IRA is here for ten years; it's not going away, no matter who's the president. So it's a huge, a number of things. I mean, it's a huge game changer. And uh, it's not just hydrogen. It's also like we just heard today, the EV credits. Mm -hmm. You know, that was something new. Uh, we got more regs on that. And really, uh, the push here in the United States is from the Biden administration is uh, to create jobs to, um, you know, and to transition 
at least in the United States, more to a net zero economy. Yeah. So um, it's it's a game changer, and I'm very proud to be an American. Very proud <laughs> that uh, this was able to be passed by the administration. Yeah, I'm so glad that you highlighted that um, because yeah. I was not I was not aware of that. Like I work with um, ambient fuels, uh, you know, Jake Sussman, those guys um, in the green hydrogen space, and that's really all the sort of dealings I've had. And so I didn't realize that there was so much. Um, positivity going around with these tax credits. I had to, uh, so thank you yeah. for, for letting yeah. me know that. Yeah. You've said it before that Norway has, we're just go, going yeah. to the, get back to that EV point that you made as well earlier about the news today. You've said um, before that Norway has an 82% EV adoption rate, whereas the US adoption rate is just 8%. What do you think the impact of the IRA will be in terms of EVs in the US? Well, I think that we are, we will be, uh, you know, we're slowly and gradually adapting here in the United States mm -hmm. to more EVs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the conversion rate is happening. It is coming. It happened quicker in Norway because they had, frankly, more incentives. Mm -hmm. And, um, but there's, they're, they're here now in the States and I see that it's going to happen. Um, you know, that the conversion rate will uh, is already happening. We're seeing it. We're seeing um, also uh, a lot of, and I think this is important too, people say they have range anxiety here in the States because they're afraid if they go on a long trip, they're yeah. um, they're not going to, they're going to run out. Where are they going to find gas, whatever. So what I see a lot, and we're helping a lot of uh, utilities also get into the action. Yeah. Uh, with um, helping uh, either build some of the infrastructure, we're putting deals together where we're putting uh, both uh, EV manufacturers and a lot of the EV manufacturers, by the way, here in the States, we call them ICE. They're ICE manufacturers, meaning the internal combustion engine, yeah. you know, like the GMs, the Fords. Right. And the Chevrolets and they all have their own like EV divisions or separate companies, but they're subsidiaries, you know, so it's happening. I think we have some unique challenges here in the United States with respect to the space that we have. Uh, also, the price of gas, while we're seeing it increase, it's not like it is in Europe or in yeah. Norway. <laughs> And that's also another piece, you know, that's all putting together. But I do think that um, we're going to see as a result of the IRA and these incentives, uh, we're going to see more conversion and it's just going to be, it's it's going to keep on increasing here to the States. Mm -hmm. And um, by 2030, we'll, we will have more than 80%. It'll be yeah. like uh, conversion to EVs. It's funny, I just got an EV a few weeks ago. It was a nine month wait. And I, I think it's been really kind of interesting. Um, it's a bizarre feeling not to go to the gas station anymore, I have to admit. Like, you know, I've been going since I was 16 to the gas station. <laughs> so it's sort of, I keep thinking I need gas. No, I don't need gas. I think yeah. what I've been really surprised about is how little I have to charge. I think I was under the impression in my head for some reason, like I'd get home and I would charge the car. But I'm charging the car like once every week and a half. Like, yeah. And 
and I'm driving to and from DC fairly regularly, you start to realize like the miles become realer, like you're more aware of the miles, but actually it's not as many as I thought that it was. It seemed like I was going more miles because it was costing me a lot to fill up my tank. And I, and I know it's not as much as Europe, but I just, um, I've been pleasantly surprised by how I don't have the anxiety that I thought I might have had, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, and and depending on what type of car you have too, yeah. if you have EV, you know, there's some that are fast superchargers too as well. Yeah. yeah. And I have to tell you, like I'm working on a lot of deals where we're working with major gas station chains. Yeah. You know, and they're having EV chargers too as well. We're working yeah. with shopping centers, data centers, uh, yeah. big. Um, urban, like, you know, apartment complexes too, as well. And um, it's really, it's attractive, you know, it's also attractive to, uh, to attract more business, you know, whether they're tenants, or, you know, commercial or residential, or whether they're customers, like at shopping centers, or data centers. And then what we're doing is we're monetizing those tax credits. I mean, we're, we are, stacking the credits on top of the other so anyway it's just um it's a it's really great i i um i think that i hope you're telling everyone your experience (laughs) yeah um you know and it just and you know i remember in the early days of when whole foods was around (laughs) i would be grocery shopping and i felt good and i was okay with paying a little more because it was organic and i knew that it was good and i kind of feel a little the same way with EVs too, right now, Yeah, at least where we are. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. It's spreading like the gospel, if you like. I mean, um, I live in an area that's like new builds and like sort of saying to the developer, like I had to actually get an EV charger installed um, Mm -hmm. proactively. Like, why aren't we installing these in all the houses? Like this is, you know, and it's, right. you know, just getting them thinking about it because, you know, so right. many people are going to now have to like ret- um, retroactively um, go and replace the, you know, outlet in their garage. So, <laughs> but anyway, so I want to talk a little bit about some of the projects that you're working on that you're most proud of. Okay. Um, I would say that, you know, some of them, some of them I can announce and tell you, some of them I can't. And the ones that are... <laughs> Most super exciting are the ones that I can't right. announce because they haven't been to fruition yet. Yeah. But nothing gets me more happier than like win-win for everyone, you know, yep. win-win. And so what I love to do is take all the different counterparties that were so diverse, put them together and show them how we can all do good together while saving the planet. Mm-hmm. Everyone can still make money while doing it. And each of you are bringing your most, you know, uh, your uh, your advantages to the table, whether it it could be money, could be capital, it could be infrastructure, like you Mm -hmm. already have the infrastructure or land already there. It could be the know-how for development. It could be technology, you know, Mm -hmm. and the 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 most exciting ones that I'm um, working on having to do now are we're combining like offshore wind and solar to make hydrogen to mm-hmm. and then the hydrogen to be used to fuel ships 
or fuel yeah. trains or fuel trucks. Um, those kinds of those kinds of projects are the most that really jazz me, you know, really uh, get me the most excited. And I'm also working on cutting edge clean energy. I mean, I have been one of the pioneers in clean energy for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, about 25 years. Yeah. I was, you know, long time doing this and I was doing this before when it was fringe. People were like, why are you doing, do oil and gas, do LNG, you know, that's what you should be uh, doing. Yeah. And, um, and I said, you know, I really uh, want to focus on, I have nothing against oil and gas. I th still think we need it, by the way. Yeah. It's no way that we're not ever going to have it, um, that we have to like eradicate it now. So I want to make that clear. <laughs> but I did want to make it a difference. And I yeah. wanted to combine all of my uh, areas of expertise, engineering, math, economics, and law, yeah. you know? And yeah. and make a difference. Yeah. So um, so I've worked on projects. I've led projects all around the world. That's one of the reasons I'm at a big international firm in Saudi Arabia, in the UAE, Oman, in Tokyo, in Africa, in mm -hmm. Central mm -hmm. South America, all over the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. So it's been uh, really fulfilling, and um, you know, super excited. And I'm just you know with this. IRA being passed now, it's just like we are in um, an amazing, I just see this as like an amazing revolution. We're like, almost like, we'll look back at this time and say it was our green industrial revolution. It's that major. I, I totally agree with you. I think it's it's so, so, so exciting, um, especially from, you know, a job's point of view, obviously. <laughs> it's a good time to to be in the space uh, right. so what are you most looking forward to working on in your new role and in the years to come i am i'm i'm very excited about um all the new technologies and green hydrogen yeah. with evs with ammonia even um yeah. i love combining solar and wind i love now that we have recyclable uh wind blades I just love to see the technology evolving and bringing down the cost so that it's easier for developers to scale yeah. so that more people can benefit. Yeah. So that's really what I'm um, most looking forward to. And I'm looking forward to having more of these technologies like mainstay. It's not like fringe anymore. Yeah. Like why? I, I'm, I have to say I'm disappointed in, in the United States that our you know, EV usage rate is so low, we should be higher, we yeah. should be, you know, um, and we're not, but I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the, that conversion rate is going to change. I know it will. I'm, I'm super jazzed about all the new smart technologies that we're combining with the mm -hmm. clean energy and clean tech, because I think that really is going to be the future. Um, and we're not just talking about saving the planet. We're also talking about energy security. We're yep. talking about, um, you know, there's a new global realignment and, um, you know, with 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 uh, the G7 countries and others. So I and I think that energy security, uh, as we've seen what's happening with um, Putin in, in the Ukraine, unfortunately, mm -hmm. he's weaponizing energy. Yeah. And all the all of the different types of 
you know, sanctions that we have put on Russia, we got, we were able to see this last year who our friends are, you know, yeah. and I'm, I've got to say, I'm a little bit surprised about who is still, you know, um, taking advantage of this uh, really um, unfortunate war situation that's going on with Ukraine. So yeah. I do think it's really important for uh, global security, energy security, um, as well, in, in, in the midst of this global realignment where we are now. As far as the trends are concerned, other than what you've already spoken about, are there other key trends that you're seeing renewables? So for example, are you seeing an increase in interest in things like carbon capture, floating solar, energy resiliency, maybe changes in supply chain or deal growth? Yeah, all of those. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, you hit it on Na the head, Catherine. Nailed it. <laughs> we, this is Lisa, these are Lisa DeMarco. Let's give a shout out to uh, my marketing manager. <laughs> Questions. <laughs> yeah, all of those. We're doing, uh, you know, carbon capture, floating, offshore wind. Offshore wind in the United States is new. In Europe, it's been around, but I mean, yeah. for a long time. And I'm glad now that we're finally learning from mostly the European developers that are coming here yeah. and that we're doing that. We have so much great space, you know, and, you know, for, for offshore wind, I'm working on a number of projects here in New York mm -hmm. uh, as a result of the new, you know, laws that were implemented. And there's new things happening in California too, as well. So very excited about that all the carbon capture projects that we're also combining with mm -hmm. others to monetize the tax credit, super exciting. But everything you've mentioned, yes, I'm excited about all of those. Um, and I hope to see more and I hope to see the cost go down. Yeah. So we see innovation. And then what I see then is um, the that it will be more, we'll see the conversion rate you know, more. And we definitely need to work here in the United States as well on um, increasing the transmission and distribution lines here too, as well. Yeah. What do you think it takes to be successful in your role? And what advice do you have for others looking to follow in your footsteps? Um, okay, that's a good question. I would say <laughs> probably the biggest thing is um, you have to stay up to date on everything, on all the developments that are happening. You have to, a lot of reading. <laughs> you have to, I'm always, as you know, Catherine, I'm out there a lot. I'm yeah. um, speaking, I'm um, at conferences, I'm on TV, I'm yeah. in paper. Um, so I do think it's good to be out there too as well and to have a pulse on who you want to represent, you know? Yeah. And I. I also, um, to be successful, you have to work very hard. It's also fun. It's also very fulfilling. And you need to um, not be, you, you be resilient. You need to be able to, to get up and knock that, whatever that song. <laughs> <laughs> Brush your shoulders off. Your shoulder, yeah. Brush your shoulders up. off, yeah. yeah. And be resilient and get up. And you're going to get rejections. You're going to get some, um, you know, uh, things that you did not anticipate or want happen. And you just have to plow forward and not lose your sense of 
self and your sense yep. of where you are in the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think it's also important to, uh, you know, to have uh, a good support system and to have um, an outlet, whether that's, you know, working out or it's mm-hmm. cooking or something where you're okay. I mean, it was funny. My doctor tells me that I'm one of the few attorneys that's not, that's not taking any drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I didn't it's, know there's such a high usage rate but yeah but yeah I do so I think that that's also important I also think it's important to give back and yeah. to uh teach others and to be humble and grateful yeah yeah well thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and um I look forward to seeing all the great work and announcements and CNBC uh, <laughs> Uh, cameos that you'll be doing. Catherine, as usual, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here and to uh, spend a few minutes with you today on the on your show. I'm really honored. Thank you and very grateful. Thank Thanks. You. Thanks for listening to the Greenlight Podcast. Are you looking for your next role in climate tech? Join the largest growing network of clean tech professionals and be the first to know about when industry-leading clean tech companies first post new openings. From development to finance to project management by checking out our website, dylan-green.com slash latest hyphen jobs. If you're a clean tech employer and need help scaling your workforce efficiently with top tier candidates, contact me directly on LinkedIn.